First, you turn the time circuits on. This readout tells you where you're going. This one tells you where you are. This one tells you where you were. You input your destination time on this keypad. Say you want to see the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Or witness the birth of Christ. Here's a red letter date in the history of science. November 5th, 1955. November 5th, 1955. Why, I don't get what happened. <laughs> that was the day I invented time travel. I remember it vividly. I was standing on the edge of my toilet, hanging a clock. The porcelain was wet. I slipped, hit my head on the edge of the sink. And when I came to, I had a revelation, a vision, a picture in my head, a picture of this. This is what makes time travel possible, the flux capacitor. Flux capacitor. It's taken me almost 30 years of my entire family fortune to realize the vision of that day. My God, has it been that long? Things have certainly changed around here. I remember when this was all farmland as far as the eye could see. Old man Peabody owned all of this. He had this crazy idea about breeding pine trees. This is, uh, this is heavy duty, Doc. This is great. Uh, does it run like on, on regular unleaded gasoline? Unfortunately, no. It requires something with a little more kick. Plutonium! Uh, plutonium. Wait a minute. Are you, are you telling me that this sucker is nuclear? Dearest Mother, I hope you are faring well. I write to you on this third day of March in our Lord's year of 2021 without any plan. I haven't written down anything that I want to say to you before I type. So I'm just typing from the hip. So if it sounds unrehearsed, there's a reason for that. You know, this movie I'm watching, Back to the Future, makes me wonder if time travel were possible. My guess is it won't be possible in my lifetime, because if it were, I would have come back and told myself by now. That's a little thing we call time travel humor. But also, if it were a mother, I would go back. I'd go back myself to a simpler time Back when this movie first premiered, 1985, I was eight, going on nine. It was summertime. I'll never forget. It was the first time and the last time you and father told me that the paternity tests proved I was your son and that you were proud of me. Anyway, I'm chopping some onions right now, so I gotta go and uh, finish watching the greatest movie of all time. So until tomorrow, Mother, this is your son saying thank you. Thank you for legally being my parents. Your son, Michael. March 3rd, 2021.
You know, I'm going to do that every time now. Da, 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 da. Day three. We did it. You said it couldn't be done. You told me it couldn't be done. I read your emails. I saw your tweets. I got your phone calls. got your letters. And you told me, man, you can't do this. And by you, I mean specifically you, not, not the other listeners, just you. Damn it. I proved you wrong. Here we are for day three. It's late. It is late, um, but but I'm ready to talk more Back to the Future, and I'm going to be doing it all month long here at Marchie McFly. The cool thing is, is that I just started talking, and we're already almost seven minutes into the episode, so it makes it feel like there's a lot more going on here when it's just a lot of nonsense, a whole lot of nonsense. In fact, this episode will have even more nonsense than the la- the first two. Um, but there's definitely things I want to talk about. There's a lot of notes. I've taken some new notes, some things I haven't uh, spoken of yet. And if I have spoken of, then I'm going to repeat them. And uh, I can't wait to talk about it. All that and more. Uh, all what and more. I don't even know what I'm talking about. But I can't wait to talk about everything. And I'm going to do that right after this. Good Saturday morning to you. You're listening to Hill Valley Public Radio. That's WHVP, not HPV for you pranksters out there. You're listening to This Week in Politics. I'm your host, Ron Statler. And of course, this and every episode is brought to you by my dad's Toyota dealership, Statler Toyota. If you're looking for a top of the line, the new 1986 models have come in. Go to Statler Toyota. You're not going to find a better deal in town. I'm pleased to have a guest here with me today. He is the campaign manager of 
Mayor Goldie Wilson, the current mayor who is running for re-election to the mayor's seat of Hill Valley. Uh, with me today is James Carruthers. James, how are you doing today? Oh, Ron, I am uh, I'm doing great. And let me just say that uh, while I am a big fan oh, thank of you. the deal your dad got me on my Corolla. Best deals in town. I'm a bigger fan of this program, and I'm delighted to be here to talk to the voters of Hill Valley. Well, that's great. That's really great. And why don't you uh, kind of tell us a little bit about you and uh, your ties to uh, the mayor. They go back uh, further than just your work in his office. Is that yes. correct? Yes, that is correct. Uh, thank you so much for asking me. So oh, I've worked in the mayor's uh, office mm-hmm. for the past three years. Uh, but the mayor actually has uh, worked with my family a lot longer than that. That's right. Uh, as many of you may know, my father uh, ran a cafe in the downtown area of Hill Valley for the better part of 40 years. Best coffee in town. And Mayor Wilson used Mm -hmm. to work in that cafe. And in fact, uh, it was my father (laughs) that was one of the people that inspired Mayor Wilson to uh, seek a life of public service and eventually run for office of mayor. That is correct. And I know Mayor Wilson has gone on record in his autobiography talking about that moment. What was it? Again, it was some very, um, a very inspiring words of wisdom that your father said to Mayor Wilson that kind of uh, made him think that, you know, this, this was something he could do. Yes, I remember um, my father telling me this, um, that he inspired Mayor Wilson uh, with, with the great words, a colored mayor, that'll be the day. He said it with great excitement and great exuberance, uh, according to my father, and to Mayor Wilson, it, it really pushed him into uh, seeking the life and the role uh, to serve Hill Valley voters. And he's been doing so really well for the last four years, and he's looking forward to doing it for another four years in the upcoming election. Well, that's that's really great. And while we wait for mm-hmm. one of our many, many listeners to call, many listeners. Uh, because you said you would take some calls today. Yes. Um, why don't you talk a little bit about some of the initiatives sure. that Mayor Wilson is Absolutely. looking to enact in his second term if the voters sure. do uh, elect him back yes. into office. Absolutely. If, if the voters do um, take it upon themselves to do their civic duty and um, Mayor Wilson is honored to... Uh, Receive the honor, I should say, of being reelected. Remember, Mayor Goldie Wilson, progress is his middle name. He's all about improving Hill Valley, improving progress, and moving towards the future, but not forgetting the past. You know, um, the mayor has um, supported an initiative to save the Hill Valley clock tower. Right, and we actually. Uh uh, went to high school together. HVHS. And we were in high school uh, when the oh. big lightning storm of 55 actually struck and um, shut down the clock tower. Right. And it was completely inoperable for a better part of 30 years. And why don't, why don't you kind of talk about this a little more? Well, yeah, it was, yeah, we were in high school then when the clock tower went out. There was a big dance that mm-hmm. night. Um, I didn't go to the dance. I stayed yeah, home. Me neither. I heard it was pretty exciting, a lot of action. Yeah. Uh, but yes, the clock tower, of course, everyone knows, was mm-hmm. um, was just was inoperable. It was yes. damaged. Um, some said damaged beyond repair, but really it was just damaged beyond um, 
what people wanted to do for it. It's all so about it effort. It could have been fixed if people just put the effort in. Absolutely. Unfortunately, um, you know, taxpayer money really uh, couldn't be uh, re- relegated sure. to such a thing. Well, that makes sense. So we are uh, working with a, a group of volunteers that are just canvassing the area. I'm one of them. Looking for donations and trying to just save the clock tower, for yep. lack of a better term. And every penny absolutely counts. Um, we do have a caller if oh, you'd great. like to take a call, James. Absolutely. And please, please, call me Jim. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, all right. This is Sherman we have calling in. Sherman, you're on the air with Jim Carruthers. Hi, Sherman. Hey, Ron. Thank you for taking my call. Absolutely. I, I hope you permit me to talk here for a few minutes because um, yeah. I'm a longtime voter, longtime resident of Hill Valley. I grew up here just like you guys did. I'm a little younger than you, but... Um, you know, I remember those days. I remember the days of going to the cafe. I remember the days of... Mm-hmm. Uh, do you remember Mayor Red Thomas? Absolutely. Right. Do you remember what his uh, his slogan was? Well, what's your point, caller? Yeah. It was progress is his middle name. <laughs> the exact same thing. It's because it's a good okay. slogan. And um, all I remember is, you know, back in 55, the streets were safer. Uh, the high school was clean. Uh, there were nice stores in the downtown area. It's a different time. Okay, we had a movie theater. We had little, you know, uh, department stores. I remember all those things. Obviously, I left for a couple of years to, to go live in New York. That's where I got this accent. But I came back. That makes sense. So I still consider myself a longtime Hill Valley resident, all right? Sure. And I pay my taxes here. And I vote here. And I have to say that I look now and I look at the high school and it's covered in graffiti. All right. You got the same principal there for 30 years. What the hell is he doing? Strickland. A lot of people have trouble. Pardon my French. But that high school has gone to crap. Sure. All right. Then you got the, the, the town. We, we, everything is like to the future. You know, when I, when I grew up, there used to be a mansion. The Brown family. Where right? that nutso lived. And, uh, you know, it, it, it used to have all these nice houses around there. Now it's all shopping centers and Burger Kings. All right. It's not progress. All right. It's, it's like regression. Okay. Hill Valley is really just a cesspool of what it used to be. You remember that. 1955. Sure, Sherman, uh, this is Jim talking. Can I just remind you that we still do have a movie theater in the downtown area? It's a friggin' porno theater. Well, that still counts, technically. And can I just say, I don't think it started with with Mayor Wilson. This started a long time ago. Well, I think that's a very fair assessment, Sherman, because as you know, uh, towns don't just change overnight because of one candidate. Or it one... started with that spacecraft that crashed into my dad's bond. Oh, you're that sure. We man. tried to kill that thing, but that oh, spaceman Jesus got away. Jesus Christ. <sighs> Nothing has been the same in Hill Valley since. I blame him. Uh, okay. Well, thank you for the call, Sherman. We'll be back with more exciting political talk after this break. Quick update on your life. You are never going to get those eight minutes back. Unless, of course, you listened at one and a half speed or twice the speed, then um, you've only lost a few minutes. Uh, but that's Hill Valley Public Radio. Uh, really, I, I don't know. I wrote down notes that Mayor Goldie Wilson is a terrible mayor. And that's where the idea came from that I thought, you know, let's, let's see if I could try to do something with it. Um, and... 
then I realized that I wanted to have a caller call in and complain about how horrible the high school is. Remember, it's covered in graffiti, how the town is. And I forgot to mention the porno shops. I mean, it is, it is a, he's a terrible mayor, and he uses the same friggin' slogan as Mayor Red Thomas. Progress is his middle name. And I have to tell you, 36 years since Back to the Future came out, and I just noticed now that Goldie Wilson has a gold tooth. How the F did I miss that? Anyway, the title of this episode is This Sucker is Nuclear. It's nuclear, right? Nuclear? Nuclear. Nuclear. Yes. I feel like Homer Simpson. Um, I called it the, this the, the episode title because A, uh, this is when we finally see the DeLorean, and B, this is where uh, the Libyans come in. And I wanted to talk a little bit about the Libyans. Uh, they were... I don't think they were portrayed by Libyans. There was, uh, I, I don't have the actors' names in front of me, but one of them uh, uh, had since passed away, and the other one was a stuntman. Um, but, you know, 1985, they didn't really pay attention, I don't think, to um, the, the sensitivities of culture as much back then. You understand that. But uh, let's, let's, let's not, let's ignore that, as they did. And say, well, terrorists do exist, so these two guys just happen to be terrorists. They, I'm curious, I, I'd love to know how they got involved with a scientist in Hill Valley. When I turned the ripe age of 40, I got some cool birthday gifts. And one of them from uh, a friend of mine and his wife. Hello, Christopher. If you're listening, it's a different Chris. I only have Chris's that listen. Um, but they got me uh, a couple Back to the Future comic books. Now, this guy, I've known him since, God, since I was like a little, little kid. He, he, he went to school with my brother, uh, known him forever. And he is a huge Back to the Future guy. Like he... They go to the conventions. They've gone to, like, it was one Comic-Con, and they got, I think they got all the signatures. They got Michael J. Fox. They got Biff. They got Doc. They got they got um, Leah Thompson. I'm using names and characters. But they've gotten so many, and, um, you know, he he picks up the stuff. He's a collector, and he, so, he, he messages me some of the stuff sometimes, and it's like, ugh. It is stuff that if I could, I would have a room set up for all this kind of tchotchke stuff. I would love that. Not tchotchke stuff. That's different. Tchotchke stuff. Um, I would love that, that, that kind of stuff. Maybe someday. Maybe someday I'll be old enough and, and be set up enough that I could buy uh, fun movie stuff. But anyway, he bought me these comic books. And they what they did was it was kind of like the cartoon where you had the further adventures. Look, Doc Brown had this, you know, went to the future, came back. He had all kinds of adventures with the train. Uh, but it was also, some of it was like his life prior to the 85, like between 55 and 85, or even prior to that. I think some of it was talking about his work with the atomic bomb and, um, it was just some cool side story. So maybe something like that, like this, this of course all happened after back to the future. You know, you start retconning and, and creating these these backstories and these worlds, but there's something there. There's some reason that these Libyans contacted this guy. How did they find this guy? You know, who's tried to invent things for years. I mean, he, he says, I finally invented something at work. 
that dog food feeder worked, just Einstein wasn't there. The amp, you know, not so much. But like the automatic turning the coffee on and automatically feeding the dog. I mean, there are things like that for real nowadays that will feed your dog on schedule and start your coffee on schedule. I mean, Doc was ahead of his time. Or was he behind it? <laughs> That's what I call time travel humor. Anyway, these Libyans show up, okay? And I was texting with the other Chris today about, um, you know, the idea of time travel. And like, you know, when, when you start watching these movies over and over, you start to go, wait a second. But if this happened, then this happened, which is fun and exciting. It doesn't take away from this movie at all for me. It just helps me. It makes me enjoy it more. Like it makes me get into it more. Um, but one of the things I mentioned was, okay, so however it happened, the Libyans contacted Doc Brown. They wanted him, they wanted him to build a bomb for them. And instead he built them, um, a, like gave them something with just a bunch of, was it pinball pieces? I, I feel like I'm, I was like, I'm certain it's pinball and now I'm doubting it. But anyway, they, um, they get the bomb. It's not real. So they're pissed off. All right. So they come to the mall. They track Doc down somehow. They track him down. They must have searched all over town. And they realize there's nothing going on in Hill Valley. You know, uh, it's it's not... I mean, Hill Valley in 85 is not that great. It's worse when Biff takes over uh, in, in the alternate year. But the one we have now is not that great. In fact, I feel like George... If, if George was that success, successful, he would have moved out. Um because even Lion Estates had graffiti all over it, you know? Like, it's showing. It isn't It isn't all that great. Unless it's showing this is just the 80s. This is the way the 80s are portrayed. I don't know. I didn't I didn't live where there was graffiti everywhere. Um, but anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm beyond the point. So they track Doc down. They um, waste no time. They don't give him another chance. They blow him away. Thankfully, they don't shoot him in the face. And... Um, you know, Marty goes in the time machine, goes back and comes back. And here's the thing. He writes that letter to Doc. Doc rips it up, but obviously tapes it back together. He tapes it back together and he knows that on this date, he's going to get shot. But he also knows that this is his only chance to fuel his time machine. So even though he knows he's going to get shot, Doc Brown shows a giant set of cojones by still screwing with the Libyans and still uh, stealing their plutonium. The set that Doc Brown shows there is like, whoa, this dude is com he's either completely crazy or he's completely committed to seeing his vision come through that he's willing to take the risk even even when he knows it's going to happen he's like okay okay they didn't shoot me in the face i'll put on this bulletproof vest and um you know they and there's hopefully they won't shoot me in the face again nothing changed enough that they won't shoot me in the face you know they didn't all of a sudden something changed and they read george mcfly's book that didn't exist originally they read his book and and something you know they, they they've had a change of heart i don't know all these things could be possible, but um, they don't shoot him in the face. 
He put, you know, luckily he lives. But I'm just saying that is a crazy set that Doc Brown has. And also, you know, you watch this movie over and over and over again, and you start thinking, oh, what, wow, what if they did this? And what if they did that? And I thought it would have been cool if, uh, you know, Doc Brown, he's got the bulletproof vest on the second time around. And what if he didn't tear the letter up? What if he was like, you know, Marty is like, you're alive. He's, and he opens the bulletproof vest. He's like, bulletproof vest? He's like, yeah, I stole from the Libyans. I always have been wearing a bulletproof vest since then. Um, that would have been an interesting twist because he never read the letter. He didn't know about his future. He didn't, um, you know, he didn't betray the space-time continuum. He just, and Marty, thinking all this time that Doc had died, uh, realized that he didn't die. He never died. He never died in any version. And I just thought that would have been an interesting twist. This is what's going to happen when you watch it over and over again. And I have to tell you, um, I just talking about the bulletproof vest part, I lost about five minutes because my uh, garage pan crashed. And just as I was telling you, it crashed. It almost crashed again. So it's almost telling me that it doesn't want me to keep talking about stuff. So I'm going to try to finish this out. I talked, did I talk about the Libyans already? I feel like I talked about them yesterday, but, or the first day even, but the crash, like the crash wasn't that bad. They crashed to a photo mat and are they dead? Were there, what did the news find them? Was there, was there a police presence? I feel like doc and Marty got the hell out of there got in his truck, which I loved his trucks at 24 hours scientific service. Like, Hey, I'm available, but the town is probably like, okay, thanks doc. Um, they get the hell out of there and they, they drive back to pick up the DeLorean, make sure it's working, bring, go back to doc's place, leave the truck there. Then he drives Marty home. Then he goes off 30 years into the future. Originally he was going to go 25. Remember, but now he's going 30 years into the future. Cause it's a nice round number. So I'm almost done here with today's episode, but I wanted to talk about one other little little note that I noticed. Um, I, when I went to college, I, I went uh, for the communications degree, the, the all-powerful communications degree. Uh, and part of it, in my freshman year, I took a screenwriting class where you had to uh, eventually, you learned about script writing and you had to eventually write a script. I think it was script writing, actually, not screen screenwriting. Um, but you eventually had to produce a 30-page script. And why 30 pages? Well, the, uh, the old adage is that one page per script is equal to one minute of film. And you were going to write the first half hour of a movie. And I was taught that at that first half hour of a, of a script is when you hit the plot point. Now, this is... That's pretty like formula. It it is formulaic writing. Like okay, you have a half hour of setting thing up, everything up at that thirty minute mark. That's when things go um, go wild. And uh, looking at Back to the Future, uh, at the thirty minute point is when Marty is inside the DeLorean driving. It's about you know give or take with the credits and everything. It's about it's it's like right. At that 30-minute mark, Marty's, you know, seeing if those bastards can do 90. Um, for my script, I wish I still had it. I wrote it. We didn't have, 
we didn't have computers. We didn't have computers in our dorms then. I had a a um, a word processor, which was basically an electric typewriter hooked up to a like a black and white monitor, um, and you ha- I had to put a piece one piece of paper in and hit print, and then it would type out the page for thirty pages. And my script was it was terrible. It was like this guy breaks out of prison, and he um, there's a woman who is a divorcee or something. I don't know. She has a kid and he's trying to get away and she's doing something and they cross paths and he kidnaps her. But I think later they fall in love. It was really bad, but it was fun because you had to read some of it in class. And, you know, this was college, so you could be an adult. So I was dropping F bombs in my script writing class and I don't know. I got a kick out of it. I did okay in the class. Uh, the film, the the script never was finished, and of course, never produced. I do have a uh, college film that's out there on YouTube. I could. Uh, it's, it has nothing to do with Back to the Future, so maybe I won't talk about it now. Uh, but maybe someday I'll, I'll uh, share with you the link. But that's not today. Today is about day three. Today is about Back to the Future, and at that thirty-minute mark, of course, is you know when. Uh, Marty's about to go back to the past. But also, uh, right before that, you know, hey, Ainie, where, where's Doc? And you get this big, sweeping, dramatic scene where the DeLorean, you see it for the first time, you see out of time. Doc is created enough to say out of time, with a nice California license plate. You know, the music, the, the, you see the, the, the fog, the, and, da, 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 and the, the DeLorean pulls out backs up and it's like really really like oh what is going on here and then the door opens up and this wild-eyed wild-haired scientist just pops up like oh and it's like such a juxtaposition of the moment you saw the like for lack of a better term it felt that this was heavy and all of a sudden boom it's completely turned on its head when Doc looks up and he's got this wild look in his face he's, and he's not looking at anybody. He's just kind of looking off into the distance like, whoa. And that's your um, your first introduction to seeing Doc Brown. And it's just, it's awesome. Amazing. Um, yeah, that's it. That's all I'm going to talk about today. I think we're done here. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Geek Mentality. You know that already. Everybody knows that already. And of course, the website is fansnotexperts.com. And uh, until tomorrow when we do this all again, you know what comes next. Here is my theme song. This is my podcast. I made it. Geek Mentality is what I named it. And I think you should listen and subscribe. Because I'm kind of funny and awesome. I think that I'm worth your time and I'm kind of handsome. My mom says, please listen and please subscribe. At least listen to this episode. That's not experts. Wait a minute, Doc. Uh, Are you telling me that you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? The way I see it. If you're going to build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style?